Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. Acts 5.17, and I'll read down to the end of the chapter. Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priests heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, You have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people, and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, Take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. 
And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. Well, we have been um, going through the book of Acts now for a couple months, and we've spent the last three weeks um, talking about the healing of the lame man. And here we go. The healing of the lame man in the name of Jesus Christ. And so as we spent time looking on that, we saw that in the name of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit was being revealed through Peter and John, and then also the other apostles, as they were proclaiming the message of Christ. And so it begun, begins with them talking to the lame man, silver and gold have we not, but such as we have, give we unto thee. And so kind of like down in Cuba, right? You're going door to door, you're giving them Jesus Christ. And so in the name of Christ, rise up and walk. The lame man has to have faith. He rises up and walk. This doesn't escape the notice of all the people. A large crowd comes together. Peter has the opportunity to proclaim Christ to them. Again, as he's proclaiming Christ, he accuses them of being the ones who crucified the Messiah. Okay, And so many people get saved. We're, we have up to 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, that are in the church right now. They're arrested, and they're brought before the Sanhedrin. right? And so they get to proclaim Christ there as well. But they're commanded at that time not to speak publicly in the name of Jesus again. That they're not supposed to do this again. Well, Peter and John, they leave and they go back to the the church and they have the prayer meeting. Remember the prayer meeting, right? And at the prayer meeting, they pray for boldness. And so they go back there and as they pray for boldness, the walls of the house are shaken and God answers their prayer, and he, he pours out his Holy Spirit upon them, such that all the, the believers are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they go out and they speak the word of God, okay, with great boldness. And so from that, we saw last week the greatness of the church, but the, the, how the greatness of the church really is founded upon the, the, the focus of the church being focused on, upon the greatness of our God, and we saw how the greatness of God was being portrayed, and so the true mega church, if you would, is the church that is fully 100% focused on the greatness of God, and God pours out upon them his greatness. And so we see that they went out with great boldness, they had great unity, great power, great grace, great giving, and great fear came upon not only the church, but upon all the people. But in the end of that passage that we looked at last week, we saw how it ended with the fact that the apostles were given the great power, the great ability to do great healings, if you would. Specifically, Peter who people came from all over the place in order to lay their sick, their infirmed, their um, demon-possessed in a place where even the shadow of Peter would touch them, believing by faith that even the the shadow would heal them. And I got, again, as we talk about myths over times, many times myths are built upon some bit of what? Truth. Truth. I'd just love to have been back at that time and to know how many people were were, were delivered. Say again? Did it work? Did it work? I, I think probably did. I think God probably allowed. I think, like, the, I mean, think about it. The, the woman who had the infirmity for 12 years, right? She had spent all of her money on, on, on the doctors, never got a healing, right? And she believed by faith that if she could break through the crowd and touch just the hem of Jesus' garment. Now, that was Jewish tradition. Okay, Jewish tradition was that that the, that their power would flow into the tzitzit, and that was with the the little tassels on the end of their prayer shawls. Okay, that that 
that if there was a real man of God, that it would do that. And so she believed by faith that he was a real man of God and that he could do this. And so she broke through to touch just the hem of the garment. And when she touched it, what happened? She was healed. And what did Jesus know? Power went out from him. So Jesus knew at that moment she was healed too. Kind of a fun story. Anyway, side, side track. But still, you'd kind of wonder what it would have been like in that day to be, st- to be in the presence, okay? Now, think about it. People are coming from everywhere. Everywhere. That means words getting out of the, the testimony of these guys, these, these apostles, who are doing this in the name of Jesus. And that this Jesus was what? The Messiah. Whom the Jews killed. Okay, you, you tracking with me? Okay, put yourself in that, that, that position. Put yourself in that place. Now make yourself the person you never wanted to be. You're a member of the Sanhedrin. Okay? Make yourself a member of the Sanhedrin. What do you hear? These guys that you've told to do what? Not to speak in the name of Jesus. Why? Why are they do, do they not want to speak in the name of Jesus? Say it again. They're stealing the allegiance of the crowds. Okay, good. Okay. What else are they doing with by doing that? How are they doing it? Not, I mean, they're not doing it intentionally, but it's just a fact. How do we, what, is, what does Peter include with every time he preaches this message? Not just the resurrection. They killed him. They killed him. They murdered him. Who murdered him? Pilate. No, it wasn't just Pilate. Who handed him over? The Sanhedrin. <laughs> well, no, no, no. The whole nation did. Yeah, I get it. But the, the nation was following the leadership of the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin. It was the Sanhedrin, it was the chief priests and the, and the scribes, the Pharisees, who were getting together, the, the um, Sadducees, that was called the Sanhedrin. Okay? They were the ones who put him on trial, who handed him over to Pilate to be crucified. Pilate wanted him what? Released. They're the ones who say, think about it, they're the religious leaders. They're the ones who say, we have no king but Caesar. They handed him over for treason. They didn't hand him over because he said to be God. That came in after the fact. They handed him over for treason to Rome. You're the Sanhedrin now. Signs and wonders are being done. The name of Christ, the name of Jesus, I shouldn't just say Christ, he is, that's his position, Mashiach, Messiah, right? The name of Jesus is being proclaimed. And you... Just got done. You didn't whip them. Why? Why didn't they get whipped? Why didn't they get whipped? Because why? Say, say again. No. Well, they're afraid of the people, but there was one more reason in it. Well, that's what preaching the gospel. That's why they would have been whipped. They couldn't deny the miracle. They couldn't deny the miracle. The guy was over forty years old who had been healed, and so what can they do? I mean, if we're standing before you because we have, because in the name of Jesus, this lame man was healed, then if you want to beat us for it, beat us for it. Could you imagine how that would get out? I mean, there's one thing about preaching the name of Jesus. Another thing, there was a known miracle. This guy was, whether they were just thaumaturgists, uh, whatever, how you say that big word, you know, of miracle workers or whoever they were, the fact is this guy was what? He was healed. 
okay? But now news comes to them that these guys are still doing it. And so they send out their, their soldiers and they arrest them again. Why does it say at the very end here, the beginning of it, I'm sorry, why does it say they were arrested? Verse 17, they were filled with what? Indignation. It's interesting, the word in the Greek for that is the word zealos, okay, zealos. And so it's where we get our word zealous from, okay? It's also where we get our word jealousy from, okay? So zealous is just to have this fervent desire or intent fervency, okay? And so on a, on a positive side, we would translate it as zealousy. On the negative side, you would say it's jealousy, okay? I can have zealousness from, zealous, yeah, zealousness for my wife, okay, that I want to ardently love her and do things for her, pretend like it's true, okay, just, okay, anyways, but yeah, anyways, but I can do that, but if I, if, if I never let her talk to another guy or whatever, my ardent zealousness becomes what? Jealousy, do you understand? So I have this ardent desire, well, they have an ardent desire, a fervency, they're filled with a fervency right now, okay, do you think it's zealousness? Or jealousness? Jealous. That's going because you're looking at it from your point of view. Now, I may tend to agree with you. From their point of view, what would they see it as? Let's be honest. You're, come on, you're the Sanhedrin now. They say it again, Debbie. They're being fervent for Yahweh, fervent for God, right? They believe that these guys, first of all, give them a, a, a good heart for a moment, Okay. We, we like to give them bad, make these guys bad guys, okay? As the religious leaders, what was their job? To protect the, the Torah, protect the people in the Torah, to protect the people of the law, okay? And so their responsibility was to protect, okay? Now, I get the political side of it, okay? But if you want to put the positive spin on it, for them, they are protecting the people from another what? False Messiah, right? So Jesus comes up. And there's, there's, this guy claims to be Messiah. So they say, we don't believe it. Now, I understand they should have. I mean, we got Nicodemus who came. So I, I track with me. I get all that. But kind of look at it from the other side. From their angle, their fervent desire, their zealousy would be for what? For God. I just want to challenge you with that for a moment. That there being a lot of times when we can play, we can hide behind Zealousy for God. And all we're doing is playing the hypocrite. We're just like the Sanhedrin. Again, put yourself in the shoe of everybody that when you're, when you're reading these accounts. Don't make yourself the self-righteous individual because you're doing exactly what they did. I always ask myself, is it a possibility if I lived in that day, I'd be sitting in that court? Would I be one of those Sanhedrin? What if Jesus arrived today? What if the apostles were doing today? You're a cessationist. You don't believe in these, these gifts anymore. And so now you got a guy, he's healing somebody. Is it real or is it not real? Is he doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit? Is he doing it from Beelzebub? Do you get where I'm going, where I'm going on this one? Okay, I'm not trying to defend the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin. Okay, I want you to get a perspective of this. Okay, again, we, we, we like to read in and we like to make big people bad guys. It's like the 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 um, 
the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. You know, we like to make the priest and the Levite bad guys. I don't think they were bad guys. They were going to, to Jerusalem to serve God, and they couldn't touch this guy who was dead because to touch the guy who was dead would make them unclean, and if they were unclean, they couldn't serve God. So out of their love and devotion for God, they have to pass this guy. When the Samaritan comes by, he can touch him because he's not under the law. He doesn't worry about becoming unclean. Do you, do you understand? I mean, I don't know if you ever thought about it before. You've got to think about things from a Jewish perspective. You're thinking about it from a 21st century Gentile's perspective, and it doesn't make sense. It's kind of like the Crusades. Help me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's like the Crusades. They thought they were being ardent for the Lord. And, and, and they were killing people. Okay, so yeah. So I just, I just I've, the Lord has taught me to be very careful about judging people. Judge not lest you be judged. Okay? So be careful of, of judging people. Okay, so now here, here's the deal. So, but they, were they wrong? Of course they were wrong. Why were they then ultimately zealous? Because of exactly what we talked about before. Their power is being taken, right? And they're, they're being accused, right? And so they're mad. They're, they're mad that there's a power struggle going on. Okay? So that's what happens. So they're arrested. Okay? Um, they, they imprisoned them, okay, for that reason. But then what happens? I love this. This is a, this is a, this is a wonderful moment. God in his grace. Now, I don't think this is just grace to, to the apostles. Now, understand this is all the apostles. I didn't even share this. This isn't just Peter and John. We're told that the apostles as a whole were being arrested. Okay? So I, I don't know if it was all 11, all 12. I mean, how many were being thrown into prison at this moment? Okay? But this is beyond Peter and John. Okay? So this is a big moment. Okay? This isn't the one with just Peter by himself, okay? So you got 12 people disappearing from a prison. I don't think this is a grace moment just for the apostles. I think this is a grace moment for the Sanhedrin. Because if you had any doubt before, you ought to be what? Totally convinced now. God sends his angel. You got an angelic presence, okay? Again, as we talk about the shepherds today for the, the, the Advent reflection, right? Think about what it would have been like to be those apostles. And all of a sudden, you got an angel showing up. And I don't, we're not told on this one about the, how they did it and what time of the night it was or whatever it was. All we're told is he opened the doors and he, he let them all out. A lot of the details were not given. Wouldn't you love to have been there, seen how this happened? I mean, where did they, where did they get out? How did they get out? Where, where was the, where were the, uh, the guard? Now you understand when it comes to Peter that they have all the guards on guard, right? Because this, has, this isn't the first time they've arrested somebody. Okay? We don't want them to escape that time, right? We'll get to that when we get to Peter, right? But, so all of a sudden, 12, 12 guys in the same cell disappear. Yahweh releases them, angelic presence. But in that release, he gives them a specific message. Go into the temple. Don't hide. Don't go into hiding. Go into the public. Go back to the temple and do what? Preach the gospel, specifically all the words of this life, eternal life. The resurrected life. Don't shy from it. Speak the truth. Speak it in what? Love. In order for an individual to know they need to be saved, they need to know what? They, they're a sinner. 
I mean, if you don't know you're heading the wrong way in I-20, I, we just drove back from Pittsburgh yesterday, right? And so coming, we get on the interstate a couple of times, and, and Google's kind of flipped around, you know? And well, not necessarily interstate. I can probably figure that one out. But it's coming out of the gas station or whatever. Am I supposed to be turning a left or a right in order to get back to the interstate and stuff like that? And it's all flipped around. And I'm thinking, okay, this is not good, you know, because I got to make a left or a right, and I don't know which which way I'm supposed to make. So I make the right instead of the left. It didn't happen. Well, let's say it did. I have to be convinced of something before I did what? Turn around. I'd have to be convinced I was going the wrong way in the road. We were bringing two cars down. Marsha would be hank, honking the horn and flashing the lights behind me saying, Hey, you idiot, you're going the wrong way. And uh, I wouldn't hear her, though, because I was in the other car. Anyway, so I just keep going. But that's the idea. I've got to know I'm a sinner in order to be saved. That's God, by his grace, did that for me. He allowed all my own righteousness to come out like a filthy rag in my own eyes. And I realized if I couldn't live to my own standards, there's no way I could ever live to God's standards. Go out and continue to preach. Continue to preach. I'm going to challenge you. This is the theme of this whole thing. What are you going to do in the face of persecution? If you're not doing it today when there's no persecution, what are you going to do when there is persecution? The second arrest. Well, they went out, and they began proclaiming in the message the temple. The Sanhedrin gets together. They're going to have this. Uh, they're going to have the arraignment. They're going to have the the trial, which we'll talk about in a moment. They have one problem. <laughs> the defendants aren't there. <laughs> they go to they go to get to the defendants, the, and they go. Uh, <clears throat> I don't want to tell you this, but we know we arrested them. We 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 locked them. We get there, and they're gone. So they find them in the temple. Not only is it bad enough they're gone, but they're also where? They're back in the public square, the temple. Exactly right, John. Where they're not supposed to be, doing exactly what they're not supposed to be, what what the government, if you would, religious authorities of the day, right, commanded them not to do. And they're doing it, right? And so they go there, and they find them doing it. Now, the big thing here I want to see is when they go to arrest them, they didn't start a disturbance. I know it's an argument from silence. They didn't start. They didn't cause a disturbance. They didn't cry out. We have a greater authority than you. They're going to talk about this in a moment, right? But they didn't start a disturbance. They didn't cause a riot in the temple. Okay? That's the way the world loves to do things. They like to cause disturbances. They like to cause riots. As believers, we're called upon to trust in the name of the Lord our God. And they did. And so they, Romans 13, hadn't been written yet. Paul's going to write it later. But they lived out Romans 13 before it ever happened. They submitted to the governing authorities. And they went along peaceably with them. Which is really interesting. Because when the guards go out to get them, they do it how? Peaceably. Why? Because, again, they're afraid of the... The people. So therefore, if these 11, 12 apostles wanted to start something, if they wanted to raise something up, do you think they could have done it? I think they could have. I think there's already this undertone going on. And if they wanted to be volatile, they wanted this to be a, a militaristic movement, the Jews were mindful of that. 
That's whenever they considered Messiah, that they were already primed for it. But they didn't do it. They went with him. So we get to the, uh, the trial. First of all, we have the declaration of the high priest. I love this part. I just love it. This is, the kids know this part. Kids, you all know this part, right? And so the, the Sanhedrin says to him, hey, didn't we command you not to teach in this name? Right? But that's not the part we always focus on. We all have memorized the next part, right? So kids, kids from Acts, Acts 5, okay? Tell me the verse, okay? But Peter and, come on, Peter and the other apostles said to them, we must what? We must obey God rather than men. Adults, you ought to have this memorized. This will probably be one of our memory verses next year because we're going to be doing verses from the book of Acts in 2023, okay? And so we ought to obey God rather than men. This is their response. Look, you can tell us what you want. And we'll submit to you on most things. But if you tell us to do something that God has told us not to do, or you tell us to not to do something that God has told us to do, who do you think we're going to obey? Since you, you didn't figure it out the first time we talked about it, we're going to tell it to you clearer. We must obey God rather than men. Because the first time they were arrested, Peter and John were arrested, they had the same conversation. It wasn't by the exact same words, but they went through the same whole concept. And Peter and John had to let them know what? We're going to do what God told us to do. I mean, you can tell us to do whatever you want, but we're going to obey God, whatever the consequences are. But now they're pretty clear. They're pretty direct. You killed him. You killed him. How to make friends and influence people. You're, I mean, think about it. You're standing in front of your judges. Potentially things to kind of just hold back on. Just a little bit, wouldn't we? You know, just you know, you know, a little tact. You can say, you know, but you don't need to kind of rock the boat a little bit. No. They just put it out there. It's a repeat of the previous conversation. And it's consistent with the message they continue to speak all the time. God sent the Messiah. He validated that he was the Messiah with many undeniable proofs. You killed him anyway. God raised him from the dead. And we're witnesses. And you want us not to talk about it? Let's talk about lunacies. Who's more ludicrous, us or you? Think about it. At this moment, I think this is one of the greatest proofs of the validity of the gospel. Because you've got a, a group of guys who are ready to what? Die for the message. If they handed over Jesus to be crucified, what would they expect to happen at this moment? Jesus said, Blessed are you, we'll talk about this in a moment, but blessed are you when they revile you and they persecute for you, my namesake. If they've done it to me, they'll do it to you. But they came forth with this answer. So Gamaliel stands up and he says, you know, because could you, could you imagine the row? The, the, I mean, everybody all being all riled up at this moment and all, all this discord. We're not read about it, but I can just imagine there's this big hubbub and, and all this going on. And Gamaliel, a very respected man in the Sanhedrin, one whom Saul, who became Paul, sat at the feet of. He was a disciple of Gamaliel. Stood up, and I don't know how they did it without a microphone, 
okay? But he stood up, and maybe he said, the Iwana one, two, three count, right? One, two, and he was, however, however, you know, Ale, be, you know, got their attention somehow, right? And they all stop. Probably acoustics, who knows? And so, but he gets their attention, and he says what? Send them out. Send them out. So we can what? So we can talk. We can talk freely. And he sends them out, and he, and he gives advice that I've heard people preach on and use as teaching from God. God's word, as we say in Good News Club, is 100% true. God's word is 100% true. But not everything stated in the word of God, I'm going to walk my line here, right, is not the word of God. Track with me on this one, okay? Gamaliel is not a prophet speaking the word of God. God's word records what he says accurately. Like this morning, we sang Daniel chapter 4, right? I thought it good to declare the signs and the wonders. That's Nebuchadnezzar. Was he saved or not saved? I don't know. Was he a prophet? No. But the word of God literally, clearly writes down and records what this king of the entire earth declared. Are you tracking with me on this one? Okay. So it's, I think that's important for us to understand. Because Gamaliel says, look, be careful. Don't do anything as these guys. Because what if they're right? What if this is true? You're going to find yourself what? Fighting against God. If this thing is of God, now listen to what he says, and this is important for us to understand. If this thing is of God, you, it, it, it will what? No, no, if it's of God. If it's not of God, it'll go away on its own. If it's of God, you can't stop it. It'll continue to grow. Using that philosophy, what are the two greatest denominations within Christendom today? Jehovah Witness and Mormon. They're the ones that are growing the fastest right now. Well, you may not consider them Christendom, but the world does. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay? The world does. You can say, we can sit here and we can sit in our Sanhedrin, and I'm picking on us, but you get what I'm saying. And we can say, well, they're not real. And I agree. However, the world sees them as what? Christendom. You get in the military, when you have a Protestant chaplain, he may very well be what? He's not going to be Jehovah's Witness because he's not going to be in the military. But, but Mormon, very, very clearly can be. And a lot of other denominations which we would say, ah, I'm not quite sure about that, right? But the point is that those two are thriving the most. If you use Gamaliel's advice as gospel truth, do you track what I'm saying? Then there are times when you would say the church wasn't true because they were being what? Slaughtered and killed. So his advice was his advice. It came from within an unsaved individual. You need to understand that. Okay? A Jewish unsaved individual. So now that was their deliberation. They, they talk a little bit and they come to a decision. What's the decision? They assent to Gamaliel. Okay. Gamaliel has spoken. We'll, we'll, we'll accept Gamaliel's advice. Not necessarily did they what? Agree with Gamaliel's advice, 
but they're going to assent to Gamaliel's voice. They've got to follow something. So Gamaliel was the sage. He was the one that then they followed. And they said, okay, fine, we're going to do that, right? They ascended the device, then they beat the apostles. Isn't that something? Okay, we're, we're going to, okay, we, this, this may be of God, so therefore we're going to flog them. <laughs> You're shaking your head. I agree. I, I, I shake my head every time. I mean, I'm going to give this the potential, ah, this could be of God, so I'm going to flog you. Just in case. Hey, we haven't had a good flogging for a while. Let's have a flogging now. Anyways, so I don't know. They flog them. And then they do what? They command them again. Just in case you guys didn't get it the first time, we want to make sure you get it this time. Do not speak in this guy's name. It's anathema to us. We hate Jesus. It's getting to be that way in in the military. It's been that way, actually. I should say, not getting. Woody was in the Air Force many years ago now, huh? Because we did a chiasm with Woody. Woody. Woody came, he was the, the guy who led me to the Lord, and he was the senior pastor where I was the assistant pastor. He went into the Air Force as a chaplain, and, and I became the head pastor. And so I was leaving the military. I was getting out of the military. He was going into the military. It's kind of fun. Anyways, but he was a chaplain in the Air Force, and he had a, had a Protestant senior chaplain over him up at Andrews Air Force Base who hated him, who hated him. The Roman Catholic guy loved him, okay? He had a Roman Catholic uh, 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 chief of chaplains first who loved him because he was into the, all the wings and he was doing, you understand those terms, Gerard, I don't necessarily understand, but he was in all the wings and he was doing all these kind of brown bag lunches with the guys and meeting with the guys and being interactive with the guys like you'd picture Jesus being, right? And, and the chaplaincy was getting a whole lot of good uh, PR with this, right? And so the, the Roman Catholic guy loved him. He was replaced by the Protestant, by a Protestant guy who hated, hated Woody. Do you know why? Because Woody would pray in the name of Jesus. He assigned Woody to do the the fly the the big um, ear show that they have at St Andrews, and to, to do the uh, initial prayer. And out of courtesy. Woody went to him and said, hey, I just want you to know, I pray in Jesus' name. This is my conviction. This is the conviction of my sending church, which was Garden City. And this is the conviction of, of my sending agency. And so I pray in the name of Jesus. That's an, it's, an, it's, an, it's, not, it's not something that we can debate. Man, I, I'll tell you what the nomination the guy was, because it wasn't one of the ones that you think. You'd think, oh, I can't believe that. I couldn't believe it. Hated him because he wanted to talk. He wanted to say the name of Jesus. That's like 20-something years ago. Could you imagine that? I pray for chaplains. I can't imagine what it would be like to be a chaplain in the military today. And the pressure that they're under with all the political things that are going on and to be uh, really saved. And I, I, you get what I'm saying. Chaplain. And to be in that environment, one, knowing that you're a missionary and you're going to proclaim the name and trying to find how you walk that line. We're close. We're close, folks. We're very close. There are a couple things, and this is not a political message, but this is true. I'm shocked that the UNCRC, the United Nations Convention of the Rights of Children, has not been ratified by our Congress yet. It was signed by Madeleine Albright when Bill Clinton was the president. It totally gives the sovereignty of this country over to the United Nations. 
Jesse Helms held it up for years in Congress. He's out of Congress. We've had a Democratic Congress. I'm just shocked that it hasn't happened yet. When it does, your children not only become the ward of the state, they become the ward of the international community. You will not be allowed to take your child to church if the, church, if the, if the child says, I don't want to go. It's in the UNCRC. If you don't believe me, go read it. Go check it out. I've read it. I've, I've, I've followed this thing now for almost 30 years. I got a copy of it on my computer. It's a time bomb waiting to go off. The hate crimes bill. I'm surprised we haven't been shut down yet. The city of Houston asked all the pastors for their messages. Years ago. To see whether they go against them for preaching hate. We're there, y'all. We're there. One vote, it all changes. We're like the pot, the, the frog in the kettle. And we just, or the, the ostrich, the proverbial ostrich with his head in the sand. We need to realize, again, not a political message. I'm not preaching like we go out and rah! No. What do we do? We trust in the name of the Lord our God. But we need to be ready. We need to be convinced. We need to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that's within us. And if we're not prepared now, do you think you're going to be when the persecution comes? Persecution's coming. Those who are his will be revealed. Those who aren't will follow the way of the world. You already see it happening in many mainline dominations. So they were told not to preach in that name. Well, what's the reaction in the end? This is quick. It's only two verses at the end, right? So they're flogged and they let go. What do the apostles do? They rejoice. They rejoice that they were counted worthy of being persecuted, suffering for the name of Jesus. Let me ask you, would that be your reaction? Would that really be your reaction? Because you're handing out tracts on the corner. There was a guy, my mind's blanking on his name right now. I should, I should know his name. I know all, uh, anyways. Uh, fellows? No, no, it wasn't Phil. That was, that was another guy. Anyways, we'll, we'll, I'll remember it later on this afternoon. Anyways, he was the guy, if you've been here long enough, he was the guy that was always was up there at Bobby Jones on Washington Road, and he said, you know, would have the sign, repent or, or burn, okay? Anyways, he was, he was definitely a, 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 a prophetic, prophetic kind of guy, but he'd go into the um, Augusta Mall, and he'd hand out tracts, and he'd witness, okay? Timothy Fellows, Timothy Fellows, Timothy Fellows. And um, he was an older man. I think he was in his 70s when he was arrested the last time that I know of. And um, he was arrested for handing out tracts at the Augusta Mall. He was thrown in jail. They released him. Now, if you guys know where the jail used to be on 4th Street, not necessarily the best place, okay? He was released at 2 o'clock in the morning, like pushed out of the jail at 2 o'clock in the morning. No, no cab, no nothing, no money. And he had to walk home from there. Guys, this has been going on. But he rejoiced in the Lord, and it didn't stop him. He continued to do what God had called him to do. You may agree or disagree with his tactics. It doesn't really matter. 
He was to obey who? God and not men. I'm not going to question his tactics at all. There were probably a lot of people who read his, his sandwich boards who never heard the gospel before. There were probably people in the mall who got accosted by him, maybe if, depending on your perspective of how he did it. Blessed are you when men persecute you. Romans 5 says that you should glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character, like Peter talks about, right? Philippians 1, 29-30. Paul says to the Philippian believers, he says, For to you it has been given, granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me. Look, just as I have been persecuted for the name of Jesus, you have the privilege of doing this. This has come to you finally. Aren't you excited about the moment? And we go, what? Uh, no, I don't. I, 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 I. What if Congress, we get through this cycle, we get into January, we have the new Congress. They go through and they pass all these things because it's coming to the next end, right? And all of a sudden they pass all these things. Look, Here's the reality. We are a corporation. We're incorporated in the state of Georgia. What if they come in and they say that we have to start um, hiring people of other sexual orientations? What are we going to do? I'm not asking for an answer right now. I'm already there in my brain. I'm praying about it. I've been praying about this for years. Are you ready for your house to be a, a house church? Are you ready to be the pastor? That's my goal for every one of you men. Because I see it happening in my lifetime. That's why as we're talking about the new building, it's a struggle for Bob. I don't know when it's going to happen. But I hate putting a million dollars into a new building <laughs> and hand it over to somebody else. And yet God's burgeoning us. So I'm asking God, what do you, what do you have? And so we continue to move on with the next phase. God's still in it, right? But are you ready? Are you preparing yourself to be that house shepherd? It could be in your lifetime. Are you real or not? And are you ready to stand up and be the under shepherd that God has called you to be? They continue teaching about Christ. How lovely! They went out, and what did they do? They continued to do it. The government said, don't do it. They didn't fight. They didn't cause riots. They just went out and witnessed. Knowing that, they'd potentially be arrested again, and the next time would be the time when they were put on the tree. So in the end, are you willing to suffer for the name of Jesus? We're not even being fully persecuted now. How are we using the freedom that we have for Christ? That's a real question. What are we doing? Are we honoring the governing authorities? That's the flip side of this. There's a balance in all this. That even when they, look at it, even when they begin to persecute us, there's going to be a place where we have to what? Honor them. There's a lot of people that, that struggle with that, even when it came through COVID, okay? That we tried to play the little balance thing here, okay? When God rather than men. So we initially submitted to the governing authorities, but then we realized that what? This isn't what? Everybody's telling us it is. We said, no, God's told us to what? To meet together. We're going to obey God rather than men. Okay? And so we start meeting together again. Okay? And I understand at that moment we were defying the governing authorities, but we were defying the governing authorities because we felt we had a greater what? 
commandment from God, and we're going to obey God rather than men. And there are people who struggle with it on both sides. Couldn't believe that we actually started meeting together, but I've met people recently who they didn't even have an issue that we even submitted to the governing authorities initially and, and met via Zoom rather than in person. There's a balance. Be praying for it now, okay? Don't wait till, till you need that wisdom. The time to be prayer and fasting is, is beforehand. Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the power of the gospel. Lord, I think of even how Steve shared about the 15-second um, witnessing toll, and I just think about how much you have transformed my life, Lord, that I'm not the same Bob as I used to be. But you are the same God as you always have been and you always will be. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. Lord, help me to be bold. Help these here and others of your children to be bold for the name of Jesus. Lord, help us to be willing to be persecuted. Help us not to shy away from it. Help us not to, to, to listen to the, the deceptions of Satan in the world, Lord, where um, looking at us as being intolerant. Lord, you are a tolerant God. You want all people to come to, to know you as Lord and Savior. But your word is true, and it will not change. There is no other way to you other than through Jesus Christ. Help us to be faithful in proclaiming that message. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.